Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Hello, I'm Daniel. I want to read to you a verse from this text called Trust in Mind. And then I'm going to comment on that verse and then lead a meditation. So, here's the verse. To live in the great way is neither easy nor difficult, but those with limited views are fearful and irresolute. I'm going to read that again. To live in the great way is neither easy nor difficult, but those with limited views are fearful and irresolute. So, first of all, what is the great way? The great way is learning to see things clearly, learning to pay attention to the world around us. That's what we're talking about with meditation practice, at least in the way I teach it. We are training in attention. We're training in mainly attention, but also sort of awareness, mindfulness, understanding, patience, all these things. But primarily, we're training in learning how to pay attention, how to be present in the world, especially when we want to be present in the world. And when we are present, then we make more choices about how we're going to react to things and how we're going to feel about things. So if we're not present, if we're confused, if we're not paying attention, if we're just going through life mindlessly, just doing things and not really reflecting, then we have limited views. And what happens if we have limited views? We're fearful and irresolute. So fearful, first of all, um, it's very easy to have lots of anxiety if we're not paying attention to the world around us, if we're not understanding our connection to the rest of the world. And so that's where the fear comes in, but really all sorts of negative emotions come in that way. When we don't see things clearly, it's very easy to get mad and lash out or to get really sad about things that don't even matter or to be easily annoyed. And in another way, it's also very easy. I like to say, and I think I say this often, but when we're not mindful, when we are distracted, when our attention's fractured, and when we think we're not good enough, that is when it's very easy for people to sell us things, for people to control, manipulate, trick us. So even from a perfectly selfish point of view, it's still a really good idea to train in attention because it helps you protect yourself. So even if we weren't also training in kindness and compassion, Still, mindfulness, attention, these are good things to develop. These are good things to develop. And that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about training and attention, learning how to be more present in the world so that when you want to pay attention, you can. When you want to pay attention, you can. If you've ever had the experience where someone's talking to you and you realize you're not listening or... You're driving home and you realize you didn't notice the entire trip home. That's really scary. These things are 
lack of attention or fractured attention or weak attention. They are the result of not being mindful of the world around us and not being present. Being present is so important because we're missing things. We're missing things. And what I want to tell you is we have the power to choose where to direct our attention. We have the power to choose where to direct our attention. We don't think we do. Often we don't think we do, but we do. We do. So we can decide where our focus should be, where to put our energy, where to put our attention. We have that power. We are not often good at using it, but we have that power. And that is the great way. The great way is seeing things clearly as they are, seeing the connections between us and the world around us, being fully present, especially when we want to. And also the great way is learning how to put our baggage down because the truth is all of us are carrying a lot of baggage all the time. All of us are carrying a lot of baggage all the time. And sometimes we don't think we are and we don't realize all the ways our experiences shape us, but they do. They shape us a whole lot. Shape us a whole lot. Uh, just to get personal, um, my baggage, uh, both my parents passed away in their 50s when I was a teenager. And because of that, I carry that around. Uh, not just because like I have some some issues of wanting someone to take care of me, but I do. But more than that, I carry that around because I sort of live under the assumption that I'm going to run out of time. That these diseases are going to come for me and I'm probably going to not make it through my 50s as well. And so I carry that baggage around and I live my life that way in ways that I don't notice. I live my life that way. And that's really dangerous. That's really dangerous. I should be planning for my retirement more than I am. Even though if I have the experience of my parents, I'm not going to be around for my retirement. Wow, that's sad, right? Um, so I carry that baggage around with me because uh, it was a fundamental experience of my life was losing my parents. And a lot of people have experiences like mine of losing their parents at an early age, and more people don't, I guess. But, but I carry that around with me. My parents' death is a part of who I am, even though it was twenty years over 20 years ago now. It's always going to be a part of who I am because it shaped who I am, and it is a significant part of my life. And it really um, shaped my early – well, really, really shaped my whole 20s, but – We'll talk about that another time, maybe. But it really... I made some life mistakes because of uh, that baggage I was carrying, really, fundamentally, because of my lived experience, because of the struggle of losing them. Losing them. So, anyway, before things get too depressing... Um, so that's the great way is learning how to put down that baggage and seeing the things that don't serve us. Seeing the things that don't serve us. So my parents' deaths um, 
that baggage baggage can serve me well in one way, and that is, I don't, um, they were cancer victims, and a lot of people put off cancer screenings, and I do not do that, and I will not do that, because I have that baggage, so that's the good side of the bag- that baggage, but the bad side is just, I carry the assumption that I'm running out of time. I carry the assumption that my life does not have another 20 years in it. And I don't carry that as a fear, but I sort of I sort of just have this assumption that that is what's going to happen to me. And that's absurd because well, for a lot of reasons, but both my parents were cancer victims, but they happened to both have forms of cancer that were not are not genetic. So in that sense, uh, my chance of getting the disease that they died of is no different than most people's. So, so there's that. And that baggage, um, I mean, it could make me make, it could cause me to make all sorts of bad decisions it's not causing me to make. And in that sense, I'm, I'm lucky because a lot of people with experiences like that, I think they do things that wreck their lives more more than I have. I've done things that wrecked my life, but uh, I feel like some people have that experience and they are just a train wreck forever. And that's not what happened to me. So in that sense, while I have this baggage, I'm also sort of learning how to carry it better and I'm carrying it better than I used to. And that's what we can learn how to do. But that's just a really heavy example, but we have all sorts of ways we're carrying baggage. If you've ever had a relationship where someone betrayed you and suddenly you don't trust anyone in relationships, that's baggage too. And sometimes that, in some aspects that can protect you, but in a lot more aspects it makes you paranoid and unhappy and it makes you push people away, right? And sort of same thing with career. Um, I had a friend who had a really good job and he discovered his boss was a criminal. And he cannot get his career back on track after that because he is constantly afraid and looking for reasons why his new employers are criminals because he just, because that experience had such a profound effect on him. He's just thinking about that every time he starts a new job, he's looking for the wrong thing and it's ruining his work life. And that's, that's baggage, right? And sure, if he happens to work for a criminal again, he could catch them and that would be good But that's probably not what's happening. That's probably not what's happening. So that's another example of just baggage getting in your way. So all of that being said, uh, this is a heavier talk than I expected, but I hope it's pretty good. Um, I'm going to lead a meditation. So I'm going to ring this bell. Um... I think my cat just knocked over a box. Apologies for stepping away, um, looking away. So I'm going to ring this bell three times, and then we're going to talk about how we sit, and then I'm going to give the instruction, okay? Okay.
Okay, everyone, sit up as straight as you can. Um, sit up with a straight spine. Don't don't slouch. Don't lean back. But sit up with a straight spine, like you're paying attention to something. And if you're in a chair like me, um, it's recommended to firmly plant your feet on the floor. But if you like to sit cross-legged in a chair, I think that's okay. And we're going to begin by doing the practice that I call the healing breath. And I, I do want to say at the outset, if you have some sort of breathing problem, don't do this practice. There's no, um, we're not keeping score. And if you don't do the practice because you have breathing problems, I think that's perfectly all right. Okay. So this is a controlled slow breathing and we're going to do three of these healing breaths. You breathe in very slowly to a count of five. You hold your breath to a count of five and you breathe out very slowly to a count of five. So a breath takes 15 seconds. So I'll demonstrate, it looks like this. Hold your breath. Breathe out. So that was me doing it. And now I'm going to lead you as we do it three times. So if you are able safely to do this, please do this with me. And I'll direct you the whole time. Breathe in. Hold your breath. Breathe out. Breathe in. Hold your breath. Breathe out. One more. Breathe in. Hold your breath. Breathe out. Now I talked about how we're sitting up straight. Um, I wanna talk briefly about our hands. There are two forms I recommend, and one is what I call the bowl, which is just one hand on top of the other, thumbs gently touching, so it makes a bowl shape, resting in your lap. Some people say your right hand should be on top, some people say your left hand should be on top. That's option number one, and again, that's I call that the bowl. And then the second option I recommend is called relaxation, it's just Hands in your lap. Hands in your lap. That's it. So do whichever one of those is more comfortable for you. The point is that there's a plan for what our hands are doing. Because if there's no plan, then it's very easy for your hands to become a distraction. I'm, I'm a fidgeter. I don't know about if a lot of people are fidgeters, but I'm a fidgeter. So if I don't have a specific thing my hands are doing, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to be in trouble because if we're fit when we're one thing to understand that uh, you will learn through diligent meditation practice, I believe that I learned myself anyway, is if I'm fidgeting, I'm also not fully present. If I'm kind of sh having my knee shake, uh, you can't see that, can you? It's down here. If, I'm, if my leg's kind of shaking for no reason, which happens sometimes, I'm not fully present. If I'm slouching also, if I'm 
sitting like this. Don't sit like this in meditation. Hey, I'm meditating, right? That's not meditating, that's relaxing. Which meditation can be relaxing, but relax relaxation is not the goal. The goal is training in attention. So sit in attention. Mind and body are connected. Some people may think mind and body aren't connected. Some people, um, we may not say it out loud, but sometimes we have this view that we are like um, a little man piloting or a little man or little woman in the brain is like a little person piloting the ship that is your body, you know? Or if you've ever heard like your body's a car and your mind is the driver, no. Um, that's not true. Our mind and body is intimately and completely connected and that is why when you're hungry you get in a bad mood. It's because your mind and body are intimately, completely connected. And to think those are separate is kind of part of our problem sometimes. So anyway, so a slouching spine is a distracted mind. So um, I do an eyes open practice. So I'm looking at the wall behind you, which is one of the few empty walls in my house right now. Um, and I, that's what I recommend. I recommend an eyes open practice, but if that really does not work for you, I think an eyes closed practice is okay. Um, and another option, if you don't have a wall that's not going to distract you, you can kind of have your be looking downwards at a spot on the floor that won't distract you. But if you have neither of those, you know, if you have stuff all over your floor or paintings all over your wall or whatever, you can just close your eyes. I think that's fine. So we did our healing breath. So now we are going to the, do the practice called open awareness. And this is a practice that many people find very challenging. And if it's hard, that's okay. What it takes is repeated practice to get better at it. But this is sometimes called the meditation of no meditation. And this is sometimes called do nothing meditation. All we're going to do is sit here in silence and just notice everything that happens. So I'm not going to try to control my thoughts. I'm just going to notice that I'm having thoughts like, why am I doing this meditation? Or I'm having thoughts like, I want a snack, right? I'm just going to notice those and keep sitting in silence. And I'm also going to notice, like, I wonder what that sound is I'm hearing. I'm also going to just notice that and I'm going to keep sitting in silence. Sitting in silence and stillness is a form of meditation and that's all we're doing. So we are just going to sit here for a little while doing the do nothing practice. So I'm going to ring the bell one more time and we will just sit paying attention to our experience. And at the end, I will ring the bell again. And one last thing, um, if you have an incredible scratch that you feel like you have to deal with, or if you have a great feeling that you need to adjust your body, I think that's okay. I think the best thing to do is just do that, get it over with, with it, with as little, as little um, attention to it as possible. Just do it and get it over with. I have a terrible itch on my shoulder. I'm just going to scratch it and come back to my position. Okay. Okay. So here we go. I'm going to ring the bell and we're going to just do this practice where we just are fully present with our experience. And that's it.
and I would like to close the meditation by doing the healing breath one more time. So I'll direct you again. Breathe in. Hold your breath. Breathe out. Thank you for taking the time to be here with me and to listen to me. Have a good day. Thank you for listening and have a good day.